0: Vic really likes that third verse. I love the second verse as well. But this phrase in the second verse is about this morning's text out of the Minor Prophet. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. It pleased God for Jesus to become man to dwell with us. Sinful, rebellious creatures that if we had our way would dethrone God and move him off the throne and take over. That's what our our sin is so vile, our sin is so abominable to our God that if we could we would kill God and take over. And yet it pleased God to send Jesus in the flesh to dwell with us, pleased as man with men to dwell. Of course John 1:14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Our God became flesh and dwelt amongst his creation that he might pay our sin. And set us free once for all. Wow. What a God. What a, what a salvation. So we praise the Lord for that. Those in uh, the, the Christmas program are invited to go downstairs at this time. Thank you for being up here, young people. We're looking forward to the program tonight. And then if you all would take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This isn't the minor prophet, by the way. I do know that this is a New Testament book. We are going to be looking at a minor prophet in just a moment, but the minor prophet actually runs parallel to what our responsibility is for the church age today. It is all about building, all right? It's all about building, and it's all about the presence of God. Soon, in just a few minutes, we're going to be in the minor prophet Haggai, all right? But until we get there, I want to to set your focus and your attention on our responsibility as a church in the church age ephesians chapter 2 we're going to look at the end of the chapter ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens of the saints and members of the household of, of god You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The Ephesian believers were were no longer, the Ephesians without God were without hope. They were not part of the promises of God. They were alienated from God. We find that earlier in the chapter. But now having trusted Christ, they are fellow members with the church and the saints, um, members of the household of God. Now he's going to talk about what we're building here at Faith Baptist and all around the world right now. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So our church, the entire church that is representing Jesus Christ on earth, has a foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. It is his death and resurrection. Our, the gospel is Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was buried, and he rose on the third day. That is the foundation of our church. That is the foundation of our ministry. And then he goes on to say this, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, verse 21, in whom the whole building, all of the believers in the New Testament, from the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, until the rapture, God has built, taken the whole building, that's every believer that has, tr- that, of course, has placed their trust in Christ, being fitted together. We as a church are being fitted together. Different gifts, different personalities, different... Um, things that the lord is doing different backgrounds uh, different social status different ethnicities god is fitting together to, to do something glorious pretty neat isn't it there's a diversity of gifts but there's a unity in our church uh, being one one church it says this the whole building the universal church being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the lord God is doing something through the church. He is growing a holy temple. One by one, as believers being added to the church, he is building a holy temple, and there's the word temple. The word temple in the Greek, it doesn't mean the whole temple complex. It means the holy of holies. Who dwelt in the holy of holies? God did. The Shekinah glory dwelt in the Holy of Holies. This church, along with all Bible-believing churches on planet Earth right now, today, are being grown by the Lord himself to be a dwelling place. It's like we're we're in the, in the Holy of Holies is where we are. And then he goes on and gets very specific. Verse 22, in whom you also, as a local church, the Ephesians as a local church, Faith Baptist as a local church, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In a, spe- in a special sense, when we gather together for public worship, for edification, public declaration of who Jesus is and singing our praises to him, this is a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Isn't that incredible? This, listen, when we leave, this church is just a building the Holy Spirit isn't here in a, in a very different sense than when we as believers gather together, which is why when we sing and we're being edified and taught through the hymns and through the prayers and through the preaching, we are being built up to reach the lost and add more to the church so that they can be discipled and one or and trained in the ways of the Lord. And then they go out and reach their friends and family and work, co-workers, and then the church continues and God is doing a great thing. You know what his goal is? Is to dwell with us, through the Spirit, he's dwelling in our church, Faith Baptist. It is great. Isn't that amazing? You can also go to 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says the same thing. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says to the Corinthians, I laid the foundation, and there's no other foundation which can be laid but Christ Jesus. But be careful how you build on it, because all of us are building up the spiritual ministry at Faith Baptist. Be careful with what attitudes you use. Be careful with what tools you use. We're not doing anything in the work of the flesh or with the attitude of self-gratification or my way, my rights, my privileges. No, we don't build with wood, hay, and stubble. We build with gold, silver, and precious, gold, silver, and precious stones, right? That our work may last. But then he says at the end of that text, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, he says, but beware if anyone defiles the, the dwelling place of God, the temple of God. Be, be warned. This, we're, this is a holy body. This is an assembly of his children. So that's the goal. The goal is we're building up the church, even our local congregation, as a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Does that make you change a little bit when you walk in and you realize we're going to sing to our God and Savior? And when we give, we're giving to the Lord, not to me or the church, but we're giving to the Lord. And when we pray, we're praying to the Lord for his blessing and work in our lives. Do you, and do you see what how that changes everything? So I'm gonna take you back to the book of Haggai. Now go to Haggai, the minor prophet. Oh, I have so much to tell you, and we don't have a lot of time, but we do have so much to look at here in the book of Haggai. There's some parallels with this man Haggai, a minor prophet. He's one of the latter prophets, so um he's post-exile, so you have to find the end of the Old Testament. It's Malachi. Right before that is Zechariah, and then it's Haggai. Those three all lived at the same time, and they all preached at the same time. Let me tell you a few things about Haggai, because I want you to almost, in the next, we only get two weeks on this, so it's going to be quick, but I want you to almost feel like you know this man. Haggai, I'm guessing, based on chapter 2, verse 3, that Haggai is uh, an older man, maybe in his 70s, maybe even in his 80s, Okay. Up until this point, we don't know anything about Haggai except his name. Do you know what his name means? Hag in the Hebrew means feast. It means celebration. It means joy. It means a big barbecue. It means you get together and you worship the Lord with a big feast, a big barbecue, and there's singing and laughter and great, great praise. And the Lord said seven times during the year, you get together at an appointed time for a feast to celebrate who I am. So Haggai means The my feast or the feast of the Lord, it's when we're coming to Christmas, which is a time for feasting and celebration of the Lord's first coming. Here, as an old man, God has trained him for decades. He might have gone into Babylon as a captive, and now seventy years later, he's back in the promised land. And listen, Haggai only has a little over a three-month ministry. For decades, God has been working in this man's heart and life, training him in the scriptures for three months of service. That's it. He's going to preach four messages and he's off the scene. That's it. His whole ministry, four sermons. How would you like that? God raises you up, works with you for decades, training you, humbling you, teaching you. And then he says, now serve, now lead. And Haggai stands up. And he preaches four messages. Now, the messages are like this. The first message is a message of rebuke because we always need to be broken down before we're built up. So he's going to call out some things to the people and he's going to rebuke them. He's, gonna, he's going to show them God's ways and they're going to be humbled. And then he gives a message of encouragement. And then he gives a message of rebuke. And then the fourth message is one of encouragement. It's always the breaking down and the humbling and then it's the building up. Breaking down and humbling and the building up. Make sense? now what's the scene what's really going on here's what's happening back in 586 the temple in jerusalem was destroyed now do you understand how important the temple was the temple was where god himself chose to dwell on earth see the lord didn't just pick up and have a tent or a shop some way down the street saying god's in or whatever you know ten dollars come and see god's in God said, I'm going to dwell in one place on planet Earth amongst my chosen people. It's going to be the temple. It was the tabernacle to start with, and then it was the temple, and it was the temple in Jerusalem. And when that building was destroyed, we know the Shekinah glory left, and now the time is come for Haggai to go back with the captives and to build the temple. God wanted his temple built because it was his presence on earth. If they don't have the temple, God's not going to dwell on earth in his Shekinah glory. Make sense? He He wanted a temple to dwell in. So he had raised up Cyrus, and he had told Haggai and Zerubbabel and Joshua, and you'll meet those guys in just a little bit, to come back into the promised land. By the way, what does the promised land look like? The promised land is all rubble. It has been Um, Not one stone has been left upon another on the Temple Mount. Um, Buildings have been torn down, burned. There's no infrastructure. There's um, probably no trees or wood left. I mean, you're talking desolate, rubble, broken land. And you have these captives that are returning back, and that's where they're living. And their big task is to build a physical building. Well, hold your place in Haggai. Maybe put a piece of paper there and go back with me to Ezra. For just a few more, and I hope this all comes together here. Let's look at Ezra, chapter 2. Here are the people that come back with Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is the governor. Oh, and by the way, I should tell you that the book of Haggai has many ties with the Christmas story, just so you know. There's lots of ties with the Christmas story that will uncover and we'll look at but Ezra chapter 2 here are the people that come back with Ezra or I'm sorry with Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel is the governor is the high priest and Haggai is the prophet all right so you've got a, le- a leader Zerubbabel you've got Joshua the high priest and you have Haggai the prophet we don't have time to read all the names verse 2 those who came with Zerubbabel were Yeshua Nehemiah Zerihai, uh, Relihai, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehum, Bahana, the number of the people, that, okay, and it goes on. And we could go through every single name. Was that a big deal? Why would there be a whole chapter of names in the Old Testament? Here's why our God is a precise God. God knows every person who left captivity to go back to the promised land. It was optional, they didn't have to go. There were many Jewish people in Babylon and and the leaders stood up and said who will go back with us to the promised land and build a temple for the glory of God and a little over 43,000 said yes. I'm sorry, a little over 42,000 said yes. That's it. It's a tiny tiny remnant that said we'll go back, we'll endure the rough conditions, the no water, the no firewood, the no houses the bad weather you name it the enemies and we will build this temple for the glory of god and it's a very god is very precise go on to listen to this chapter 2 verse 66 we serve such a pre- precise god ezra 2 66 their horses were 736 their mules 245 why does god care how many mules there were because our god is a very precise god Do you think God cares that you made your way out of your garages and your houses today to come to his dwelling place to publicly worship him? Do you think it matters to him? Absolutely. Do you think he knows what kind of car you drive? Do you think he knows what kind of gas mileage you have? Yes. Do you think he knows what kind of tire pressure you have? Absolutely. Do you think God is concerned about all those things? He's the God of detail. He knows everything, and he's very, very precise. And these people are recorded in Scripture— Because they left comfort and the niceties of Babylon, their businesses, they left their schools, they left grandma, grandpa, aunts, and uncles. They went to this promised land, which is completely rubble, and they're going to build a temple for God's glory. And God is honored by that. All right, now, let's, I'm going to just give you the quick story what happened. When they get there, they built the foundation, which was great. But once they built the foundation, they got discouraged, and they for 16 years, let it go by. So now you've got a foundation for 16 years. What happens if you leave a foundation for 16 years? Cracks, weeds grow up, things get put on top of it, it becomes a storage place. And you can imagine after 16 years, God's temple has not been built, which means they're not thinking the presence of God really matters. They're thinking, well, we did as much as we could and we're done for now, all right? Listen their main thought, they had lost their focus. Their main thought was no longer the presence of God amongst us matters and we're going to build this temple so God can dwell here. They had lost that. And sometimes in ministry, we lose that. Do you guys understand? Sometimes week after week, Sunday school after Sunday school, nursery duty after nursery duty, special music after special music, we begin to lose the sense that this is a special dwelling place of God. And we begin to think, it's just a list of doing things. We've been doing it this way. Let's continue doing it this way. We've got 10 more years, 20 more years, 30 more years, and we'll just keep doing it. And we lose the fact that when you're, when you're in nursery duty, you're not simply changing diapers and watching children. You are letting parents who desperately need the gospel, they need God's word, they need encouragement to sit here and be fed God's word. It is a huge ministry to be sitting in the nursery. It is huge God probably looks at that and says, that's more vital to the church ministry than the preaching. Because you, uh, if you, we, need it, we need people like that. Sunday school, to plan lesson after lesson, prayer after prayer, student after student, pouring yourself and pouring God's word into them. Man, that's critical. But if we forget that this is all about the presence of God, this is all about the fact that the Holy Spirit lives within us, it just becomes a duty and it no longer becomes a, a great, great joy. And that's the way the people of Haggai were in, the, in those days. They, they got the foundation. It's just hard to take the very next step. Makes sense? 16 years is a long time. So let's, oh, I wish we had more time. Oh, can I tell you one more thing just to set this up? The king of Tyre had even given cedar logs to build the temple. The very best cedar trees of Lebanon were cut down. They were brought to the Mediterranean Sea. They were floated down the Mediterranean Sea to the port of Haifa, and from there they were brought and carried up to the Temple Mount. Do you know how what, how long that takes? Do you know how much manpower, the sweat, the lumberjacks, the sailing, the the sailing, the logs down, the floating logs down, the bringing them up a hill and setting them on the Temple Mount, and they're all ready to go. But here's what happened. The people, they began to look at the cedar logs and said, hey, we've been living in tents. It's kind of rough when the rain is coming down and it's getting us wet. So why don't we take the cedar logs that were given for the temple for God's glory and let's use them to build our own houses? Whoops. They did that. Pretty soon, the top pile of cedar logs were gone. Then the next level of cedar logs were gone. And pretty soon, there's no cedar logs left now there's no resources let's let's build god's house but let's not do it now let's do it later so now to your text back to Haggai and i basically have six points to share with you of this first chapter and then by the way i'm going to tie this in to the christmas story i think there's a direct connection a very good tie to it the book of Haggai verse chapter one verse one In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, is our God precise? He gives the year, the month, it's the second year of King Darius, it's the sixth month, it's the first day of the month. I can tell you this, it was August 29th in the year 520 B.C. 520 years before Jesus came, born in in Bethlehem, God spoke to Haggai, and Haggai preaches a message. He's very precise. The word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel is the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And to Joshua, Joshua is the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Here's what he said. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. By the way, this prophet Haggai uses the phrase Lord of hosts 14 times. God is the God of all the heavenly armies. He simply has to say something and all of his armies in the heavenlies are ready to go. This This is the strength and the power of our God. Here's what the Lord of hosts said this people says the time has not come the time that the lord's house should be built listen everybody they didn't say they weren't going to build it they said now's not the right time number one point number one their big problem procrastination their big issue it wasn't that they didn't want to do it It was just they procrastinated they were saying it's, we're going to build the house of the lord but not right now it's not time we're going to do it later is that easy to do in our lives we say you know what At some point, I'm going to get serious about the Lord. I'm going to really realize that Jesus is a living presence in my life and everything is about him. It's not about ministry and it's not about doing things. It's about Jesus. It's about my relationship to him. And then we get serious, realizing who our God is. Listen, the whole reason you're here this morning, it's because Jesus Christ became flesh. He dwelt among us and he died for your sins and rose again. And way too many believers... Say, it's not time right now to serve the Lord. I'm gonna wait for this. I'm gonna wait till 2017, and then I'll start my devotions. I'm gonna wait till 2017 and then I'll get active in a ministry. Oh, then I'll start attending this. Well, then I'll go to Sunday school. Well, then I'll you know, is going to Sunday school beneficial? Yes. Does it make you spiritual? No. You could go to Sunday school with a bad attitude, you'll never be spiritual. You could go to Sunday school for a hundred years and never get spiritual. <laughs> You see, it's not about doing, it's about being. It's about being your father's son and your father's daughter and loving him with all your heart. So their excuse was the time's not come. The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house shall be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Um, and, he, and they said that he's, he said this verse 4 Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Are you so concerned about dwelling in your paneled houses? Where did they get the paneling? The Temple Mount, the cedar logs. Haggai says, go home and look at your cedar-logged paneled houses and then ask yourself, are you just selfishly indifferent to the glory of God? You stole God's logs to profit your own self and you don't even care? I mean, where's God's glory in all of this? So, i think for procrastination it's not only easy to give an excuse about why we won't do something or why we won't be somewhere or get involved it's so easy to make an excuse boy there's a thousand reasons why i could find other things to do than serve the lord but i think i think the other reason that we procrastinate is because we can become so selfish and so indifferent to god's glory it is easy to be so self-centered that all we think about is my comfort my time without realizing hey ministry to the lord is full of sacrifice and he goes on verse five now therefore thus says the lord of hosts consider your ways you have sown much and bring in little you eat but you do not have enough you drink but you are not filled with drink you clothe yourself but no one is warm and he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes you see, I think one of the motivations was we're going to get our life right. We're going to get the economy going again. We're going to get the comforts of life going. And when we're more comfortable, we'll have more time to serve the Lord. And no matter how hard they tried to get out of poverty, they must have planted their fields and weeded their fields and watered their fields, thinking we're going to get a double bounty. That'll free us up to serve the Lord. And they ended up physically broke. They Right? They looked for food. There was none. They planted their crops, expecting a big yield, and there was nothing. They wanted much to drink, and there was nothing. They thought a huge grape harvest? Nothing. Why? Verse seven. The Lord, the Lord of hosts, says, "Consider your ways. Here's what you need to do: go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple." See, Ezra told us they already got the wood, but they used it. So now they have to go and get the wood themselves. Is that going to be tough? I don't know. I During the storm that happened in July, we did some tree cutting. Don't remember those pine trees at your house, Tom? Man, gigantic pine trees.